beginning in verse 3. <coughs> Joshua 9, 3. <clears throat> when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and, Jericho and Ai, they were craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors. They took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet, and old garments on themselves. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him, and to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country. Now therefore make a covenant with us. Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you live among us. So how can we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, Who are you? And where do you come from? And they said to him, From a very far country your servants have come. Because of the name of the Lord your God, for we heard of the fame and all that he did in Egypt. And all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites or beyond the Jordan, to Sihon, king of Heshbon, Og, king of Bashan, who was at Astaroth. Therefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take provisions with you for your journey, and go to meet them, and say to them, We are your servants. Now therefore make a covenant with us. This bread of ours we took hot for our provision from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But now look, it is dry and moldy. And these wine bottles which we were filled with were new, and see they are torn. And these our clothes and our sandals have become old because of a very long journey. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, your food, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them that to, to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them. And it happened at the end of three days after they had made a covenant with them, that they heard that they were their neighbors who dwelt near them. This is right after Joshua had taken the children of Israel into the promised land. And they had defeated Jericho and they wiped out Jericho and Ai. And so the Gibeonites, the cities of the Gibeonites, they they were afraid and they saw what God had done. And they said, we got to make peace with them. we got to figure out a way to trap them into making an oath. And you see what they did. They, they deceived Israel. Into, into swearing to the Lord that they would make a covenant with them. And they were bound to that covenant. They couldn't break it then once they had made that covenant. And it shows us how we easily can make mistakes. In Proverbs chapter 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all of your ways, and He will direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. And you can see it's exactly what Joshua and the leaders of Israel did. It says they looked at the food, they looked at the old clothes, they looked at everything, and these guys put on this this, uh, big act for them, put on old clothes and everything, and they leaned on their own understanding. They didn't seek the wisdom of God. It says they did not seek God's counsel, God's advice. 
And you say, well, that's hard to believe. They're about to make a covenant with these people and they didn't ask God? And the Bible says, acknowledge Him in all of our ways. Not just in the big things, but, you know, the everyday decisions. You know, to seek God, to seek His counsel. And you see, because of that, it became a real problem. God had told them to go in and wipe out all of the Canaanites and drive them out, wipe them out. None of them should live in there. And they couldn't do it because they had, made, they had sworn this oath. And so, there's a lesson to be learned in this about not leaning on our understanding. Things may look right and seem right. The Israelites, Joshua and his men, they looked at all the circumstances, you know, look at those old shoes, look at those old wine bottles that are torn, look at that moldy old bread, look at those old clothes. They leaned on their human wisdom, their natural wisdom. And we can be exactly like that, just sitting there like a mad scientist, pushing one button after another. Oh, it looks like this, boom, and then, oh, that didn't work, oh, boom, hit that one, hit that one. And, and we make great mistakes, and we're all over the place then. We, we look very foolish to ourselves and to others, as, as Joshua and his leaders looked like. In verse 18, as we continue, it says, But the children of Israel did not attack them, because the rulers of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. And all of the congregation complained against the rulers. Look foolish. And we can look foolish among ourselves and among others, among people in the world. We can look awful foolish when we're just sitting there, just jumping from here to there and the other thing, and God's leading me here, God's leading me there, God's over here, God's over there. You know, you can say, well, you know, I've heard brothers saying, oh, God has led me to do this. And a week later, God is leading them to do the opposite. Like, hmm. If that was the way God was, we would conclude that God is awful confused. But he's not confused. The Bible says God is not the author of confusion. So if we're jumping all around, back and forth, and here and there, and zigging and zagging, we know we're not following the Lord's leading. And so we should acknowledge him in all of our ways. We should be seeking God's counsel for our life and everyday life. And not be looking unstable in all of our ways. The Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him seek from God. And we all lack wisdom to get through this life, to deal with all the problems of life and the temptations and the trials and the struggles. We need God's counsel every day. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. He's our guide. We have a guide. They said that Daniel Boone was a guide. The old, old uh, frontiersman, Daniel Boone, was a guide to the frontiersmen when they, in history, this is back in the 1800s, maybe even the 1700s. I don't remember my history here right now, but I think it was 1800s, but whatever it was, he would go through the wilderness, went through Kentucky and Tennessee and all those places, and he was a trailblazer and he was a guide. You know, we don't know which way to go in life. Life is awful challenging and confusing and full of all kinds of obstacles. 
We need the guidance. We need a guide. We need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's why God gave Him to us. Because He knows we need that guide. And we have to follow His guidance. And we have to... If we, we're not going to follow His guidance if we're not seeking His guidance. If we're not acknowledging Him in all of our ways. If we're just doing things by the seat of our pants, so to speak. Using that worldly um, metaphor. The second example is in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Beginning in verse 1. And this illustrates how clearly we can make mistakes. And this is a, a, a big mistake and an embarrassing mistake of Nathan the prophet. Beginning in verse 1, 2 Samuel 7, 1. Now it came to pass when the king, that's King David, was dwelling in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I live in a house of cedar, but the ark of God lives in a, in the tent inside the tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go, do that as all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? Verse 12, When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, and who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Nathan was wrong. And why was he wrong? God had spoken through Nathan and prophesied. God's word had come through Nathan many times. He was David's personal counselor. And so he asked, he mentioned, hey, I want to, he was saying he wanted to build a temple for the Ark of the Covenant, for the Lord, make a house for the Lord. And Nathan responded right away. Do it all that's in your heart. God's with you. God will do it. He leaned on his own understanding. Even a, a known prophet of God who God had spoken through. The Holy Spirit had moved through Nathan and, was, and, and he was a spokesman for God. But you can see even a prophet of God makes mistakes if he's not careful. He was presumptuous. He said, God is with you. God didn't do it. Because God was with David, he assumed. And he presumed that it was okay. That it was God's will for him to build a house, a temple for the Lord. <laughs> and, and when Nathan went to bed that night, nothing. Nathan went home and he went to bed that night. Well, it didn't say he went to bed, but it says, that night, <coughs> when, Dave, when Nathan went home that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David. So now Nathan had to go back 
And God said, My servant David, reminding Nathan the prophet that David was God's servant and not Nathan's servant. That he was being presumptuous. Just in the way he addressed Nathan, he said, Go and tell my servant David. Shall you build a house for me? The answer was no. And so now, Nathan had embarrassed himself. Now he's got to go before his king and tell him, uh, uh, David, you know, you know what I told you yesterday, go do that? No, God told me he can't do that. I was wrong. So he had to go in there with egg on his face, so to speak, and humble himself and admit that he had spoken presumptuously and that wasn't from God. And that was a humbling, and even in my mind, it must have been a humiliating experience for Nathan. A second example of a man of God who did not seek the Lord's counsel when he needed it. Now he was presumptuous and careless. And then we go for a third case. In that case, is in 1 Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 13. Now this actually happened before the incident with Nathan, even though it's later in those scriptures. This actually happened before that. This is at 1 Chronicles 13.1. This is after... Uh, David and his and his men and all of Israel had come together and had a big feast. And after three days of feasting, we come to first first Chronicles chapter thirteen, verse one. Then David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. And David said to all the assembly of Israel. <coughs> If it seems good to you, <clears throat> and if it is of the Lord our God, let us send out to our brothers everywhere who are left in all the land of Israel, and with them to the priests and Levites who are in their cities and their common lands, that they may gather together to us. And let us bring the ark of our God back to us, for we have not inquired of it at it since the Lord since the days of Saul. Then all the assembly said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. And so David gathered all Israel together from Shihor in Egypt to as far as the entrance of Hamath, to bring the ark of God from Kirajirim. And David and all of Israel went up to Bala to Kirajirim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, the Lord, who dwells between the cherubim where his name is proclaimed. So they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab, and Uzzah and Ahio drove the cart. And then David and all of Israel played music before God with all their might, with singing on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines and cymbals, and with trumpets. And when they came to Shidon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him because he had put his hand out to the ark, and he died there before God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. 
Verse 12, David was afraid of God that day, saying, How can I bring the ark of God to me? So David would not move the ark with him into the city of David, but took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And when you read this story, I remember when I was a young man, I read this story, and I said, wow, that was... All the guy was doing, the, the Ark of the Covenant was slipping off the ark of the, of the cart. All he was doing was holding it back, grabbing it so it wouldn't fall off the cart. But if you look at it on the surface, that's, the, that's what you think. But if you backtrack this story a little bit and you read from the very beginning, it says, David consulted with captains of thousands, captains of hundreds, and with every leader. There's somebody missing that he didn't consult here. And who was that, Ben? God. He didn't consult the Lord. He doesn't say anything about him asking the Lord, should I bring this to Jerusalem? Should I bring this into Jerusalem here and put it in the tent that I've made here? Should I, should I bring it here? Yeah. And so a man was killed. Why, though? And so we don't find out until we go to chapter 15. I mean, we could find out if we read the whole, you know, went back into the law of Moses, but we find the answer easily in chapter 15. David found out. Chapter 15 of the same book, 1 Chronicles 15, verse 1. And David built houses for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God. He pitched a tent for it. And then David said, No one may carry the ark of God but the Levites. For the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him forever. And David gathered all Israel together at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to prepare its place which he had prepared for it. And then David assembled the children of Aaron and the Levites. Verse 12. And he said to them, You are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, you and your brothers, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I have prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us. Because we did not consult him about the proper order. It was in the book of the law. They consulted with all their leaders, big and small, all leaders, leaders of, of you know, the, the main leaders, the leaders of thousands, the leaders of hundreds. They called everybody together, but they didn't consult the Lord about this. They didn't look into His Word. They didn't pray, they didn't consult the Lord about this whole parade that they were having, all this music and parade and everything else. In verse 13, For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. And so the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bore the ark of the covenant on their shoulders by its poles as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. It was not that it was supposed to be put on any cart driven anywhere, had to be carried by the Levites on the poles that were on the Ark of the Covenant. And because they were careless about it, 
and reckless. They just presumed, hey, it's a great idea. Let's go do it. Seems right. Everybody said, yeah, this is right. Everybody said, this is the right thing to do. We read earlier in 13. Everybody said, this was the right thing to do. Well, yeah, let's go do it. But they did it. But <laughs> they're going to move the ark, but they didn't, they didn't look into the law about how to move the ark. And you can see that there was carelessness leading up to that. But nobody knew that there was supposed to be a proper order. Nobody said, hey, wait a minute. Nobody said it. So it cost a man his life. Because of it. Because of their reckless, careless attitude about this. And so it is a message to us. We're not, of course, in the old covenant, of course. But it's a message to us. We just read this morning in the communion meditation about how God broke out in the church of Corinth because they were being reckless and careless about the Lord's Supper. They were taking the Lord's Supper in a way that was not worthy. They were being, they were being foolish about it. And God broke out against them. It says many were sick of them and some of them died. God's judgment broke out against them. And it says at the end of that, we didn't read it, but it says if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. If we examine ourselves and judge ourselves according to the word of God. So this is a word of caution, not to be careless. Many in Christendom, they don't seek the Lord and they do things and it blows up in their face, they get angry at God. God's fault. No, it's not. We're not acknowledging Him in all of our ways. We're not seeking His counsel the way we should. When things blow up in our face. Yes, we're all going to go through trials. But we can bring, we can bring trials and judgment on ourselves. If we're not careful. To seek the Lord's counsel in all of our ways. Not just for the big <coughs> things, buying a house or a business, starting a business. You know, or, or starting a church or, you know, things like that. Acknowledge Him in all of our ways. All means all. And we should be seeking the Lord about our life. You know, we're a young man. Remember when I was a young man? Met a young woman who professed to be a Christian. But you don't just say, oh, she's a Christian, and so everything's okay, and, you know, if I want to marry her, I can. It didn't take me more than two dates to figure out. She was, you know, and this is seeking the Lord's counsel, praying, Lord, is this the right <coughs> one for me? And, you know, you know, is this your leading? And, and you know, and it didn't take long to figure it out. You know, didn't have to go very long down the road. It was obvious. If you acknowledge Him in all of your ways, He will direct your path. And you, and you won't make the big and the small mistakes. We won't be walking around getting bumps and bruises that are unnecessary. Some trials and troubles in life are necessary. Some we bring on ourselves. And so, and then we say, well, why did God do this to me? 
<clears throat> the last one I have is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians two nine. <clears throat> As it is written, I has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, except the spirit of a man, of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God, except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, and which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Verse 16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You hear there, God is speaking to Christians and saying, we have the mind of Jesus Christ. But then there remains only one question then. Are we using it? Are we using what He's given us? He's given us His mind. The Bible says all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ. They're found in Christ. So if we're in Christ, are we using those treasures of wisdom and knowledge? In this passage, we read that the wisdom of God is locked, except it is revealed to us through His Spirit. Only the Spirit of God knows the things of God. This is why Jesus said, No one knows the Father except the Son, and the one whom He chooses to reveal Him to. And Jesus said, No one can come to Me unless the Father draws Him. The revelations of God. The things that God reveals. 
When we're born of the Spirit, we receive the Spirit, so we receive the ability to understand the things of God. But do we take the time to seek God? To have the mind of Christ revealed to us. That we are being guided by the Holy Spirit. Again, the guide is guiding us. The revealing of all wisdom and knowledge. God reveals things to us through His Spirit. Spiritual things? Yes. Practical things? Everyday things? Yes. The things we need to make decisions both spiritual and practical. And this is a message to the guidance of the church. And the decisions of a church. Because you see that a lot of these things that we read today from the Old Testament were group decisions, spiritual decisions. And they failed on those decisions because they didn't seek God. The church, not just the leaders, but a church, all brothers and sisters might seek, seek God for the direction and the guidance of a fellowship, a holy fellowship. And so this message is not just for leaders of a congregation. This message is for all who are in Christ. And for things spiritual and for things natural. All the treasures, treasures of wisdom and knowledge found in Christ. We have decisions to make and practical things too. We're seeking God. I forgot that there was one more reference. It's in Proverbs chapter 2. And I, I mean it, I'll end it for you. Beginning in verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom from the, for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice and preserves the way of His saints. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, equity, and every good path. 
And when wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you. And while this is quite a bargain, but you see what God is saying here. Applying our heart. Turning our ear. Treasuring God's commandments within us. Searching, it says, seeking understanding and lifting up our voice to God. Seeking Him for wisdom, knowledge, understanding, like treasures of silver and gold and and jewels. You see the people of the world, how they're driven for gold and silver and treasure. How they'll take their last dollar and play the lottery for it to hit the big one. And go to the casino, they want the big one. They're seeking for that that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And, And stay up till all hours of the night for their business till they become rich. And you say, well, am I seeking for God's wisdom and crying out like I'm seeking for gold, like people of the world, and even some people in Christianism seek for, you know, prosperity, for gold and silver and money. They have great drive for those things. But are we seeking God and God's wisdom and understanding God and treasuring these things in our heart? Like people of the world treasure gold and silver. And how we naturally would seek riches and treasure in our our human nature. In the old man. If you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. The treasure. Treasure them. And apply our heart to understanding Turn our ear to His wisdom. Crying out for discernment. Lifting up our voice for understanding. The Lord gives wisdom. And from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the righteous. Those who are in Christ. He stores it up. He has it stored for us. So why sometimes we run around like a chicken without a head? Why do we make these foolish mistakes we could avoid? We have to learn from our mistakes. We have to understand God's way. That's what I have today. The treasure of God's counsel. The treasure of seeking God like gold and silver. There's nothing like it. There's no substitute for a clear conscience. For being in the will of God. In Psalm 78, it says that the children of Israel didn't believe in God's power. They didn't believe in His power. You say, well, how in the world could they not believe in His power? It was happening all the time around them. He was raining down bread from heaven, blowing in meat from the quails from the sea, the ten, the ten plagues on Egypt. 
How could they not believe in his power? That's right. And it's a warning to us to believe in his power, to believe in his wisdom, to believe in his counsel. Because he stores it up for us who are in Christ, he stores it up for his children. But do we use it? Are we crying out for his counsel, his wisdom, his understanding? And then we do we respond in madness? I'm too busy for that. <laughs> okay. I'm done. <laughs>